Today is the seventh day of our autumn, seven day session. It's the 12th of May, 2018. And we're going to take up another koan today, again uh, from the Shoyoroku, the Book of Equanimity. And this one is called Yangshan's Mind and Environment. It goes like this. Yangshan asked a monk, where are you from? The monk said, I am from Yu province. Yangshan said, do you think of that place? The monk said, I always do. Yangshan said, that which thinks is the mind. That which is thought about is the environment. Therein are mountains, rivers, the great earth, towers, palaces, people, animals and other things. But now reflect upon the mind that thinks. Are there many things there? The monk said, I don't see anything at all there. Yangshan said, that's all right so far as belief is concerned, but it's not, it's not enough for real living. The monk asked, do you have any particular advice, master? Yangshan said, it misses the mark to say there is or there is not. As for your insight, you have reached only one side of the mystery. In taking a seat and wearing robes, see it for yourself later on. There's just one named uh, protagonist in this story, and that's uh, Yangsheng. Yangsheng Huiji is his full Chinese name, and he was an 11th generation master after Bodhidharma. His Japanese name is, is Kyozan Ejaku, and his dates are 807 to 883. Um, he's a well-known master, um, the main disciple of Guishan Lingyo. His Japanese name is Isan Reiyu. And together, these two were founders of the Guiyang school of Buddhism. It's, it's um, di died out. The Japanese name for it is Igyo. And uh, just a little bit of biographical material. Uh, his, his parents refused him permission to leave home and become a monk. So he demonstrated his resolve to them by cutting off two of his fingers, vowing that he would seek the true Dharma to repay his filial obligations. Um, won't, um, today we won't get into um, stories too much, trying to have a uh, shorter Taisho, just just um, go go right to the end to the account of his his death. When near death, he returned to Dongping Temple. There, a great many disciples were at his side to attend to him. Yangsheng took a brush and wrote a verse for the monks to read. Countless disciples, I took, I look across you all, and you gaze back. Two mouths, one without a tongue. This is my teaching. 
At exactly noon, Yang Shan sat on the dais and bid farewell to the congregation. He then recited another verse. Completing 77 years, today it ends. When the orb of the sun is just at noon, the two hands fold the legs. And upon saying these words, Yang Shan used his hands to fold his legs into a cross-legged posture and then passed away. The masters love to make their deaths um, into um, opportunities for teaching and also for, for play. Um, it's like the art of dying. Yangshan cho chose to depart at midday, punctually. Now just to look at our story here. Yang Shan asked a monk, where are you from? Um, when, when the masters engage in, in small talk, it's almost never small talk. That's never innocent. Um, here Yang Shan um, uses a, a question that is uh, commonly used to test the water when, when meeting somebody. What's this guy made of? Literally, in a sense, um, where, where is he coming from? Where, where, what is, where, where is his mind? In, in one version, uh, in one translation of this koan, it says, where were you born? And the monk replies, I am from you province. So just a straight, a straight literal reply. But then Yang Shan sort of turns it into an opportunity for some, some Dharma discussion, discussion, some teaching. He asks, do you think of that place? And we can take this either just that, as he's saying, do, do you think about this place? Or possibly, um, do you look into its meaning, its, its essential meaning? The, um, the monk just replies, um, I always do. I always do. That that would make more sense if he if if the question was where were you born. So it's perhaps somewhere with a lot of um, emotional freight to it. That would might maybe make us want to hold on to our thoughts about that place, feelings. In asking, uh, do you th think of that place? Um, 
it's it's an invitation for the monk to look into the nature of mind. He's in a sense he's asking, um, does you province exist in your mind? Does Swanson exist in our minds? Does Auckland exist in our minds? There's another exchange which explores this. This is between um, Master uh, Fayan and uh, another master called Dizang, which is the Chinese um, equivalent of Jizo. And it's um, when uh, Fayan and his his companions were um, going on pilgrimage. And they got um, they got s stopped. They got stuck there because there was a snowstorm. And this is after after that. So when the snow was gone, the three monks bade farewell and started to depart. Ditsang, he was the the master of the monastery, accompanied them to the gate and asked, "I've heard you say several times that the three realms are only mind." and the myriad dharmas are only consciousness. Dizang then pointed to a rock lying on the ground by the gate and said, so do you say this rock is inside or outside of your mind? Fayan said, inside. Dizang then said, how can a pilgrim carry such a rock in his mind while on pilgrimage? Dumbfounded, Fayan couldn't answer. He put his luggage down at Dizang's feet and asked him to clarify the truth. Each day for the next month or so, Fayan spoke about the way with Dizang and demonstrated his understanding. Dizang would always say, the Buddha Dharma isn't like that. Finally, Fayan said, I've run out of words and ideas. Then Dizang said, if you want to talk about Buddha Dharma, everything you see embodies it. At these words, Fayan experienced great enlightenment. And then the, the, really the key in this story is, is Fayan running out of words and ideas, exhausting all his thinking through these, these encounters with Dizang, who recognized as uh, seeing deeply into the truth. And when, then when he was completely emptied out, it just needed Dizang's prompting for him to, his mind to open up in enlightenment. If you want to talk about Buddha Dharma, everything you see embodies it.
So anyhow, here the the monk says that he that he uh, he does think of that place, Yu Province. And then Yangshan asks his next question. He says, "That which thinks is the mind. That which is thought about is the environment." Therein are mountains, rivers, the great earth, towers, palaces, people, animals, and other things. But now reflect on the mind that thinks. Are there many things there? So um, Yangshan kind of sets up this dualistic contrast between um, that which thinks and that which is thought about. And, and actually these are not two, they, they mutually condition each other. But for the sake of this, this interchange, Yang Shan creates this difference. That which thinks is the mind. And in the, in the, um, in the Japanese, um, the word, and it would be the same in the Chinese, the word used here for mind is, uh, characters pronounced kokoro in, in Japanese. So it's, it's the heart mind that encompasses both thought and feeling, which are not um, separated in Chinese and Japanese culture the way they are in our um, Western Cartesian thinking, mode of thinking. So uh, Yangshan um, mentions some of the things that uh, there are in the environment. So all kinds of different things, mountains, rivers, the great earth, towers, palace, peoples, animals. So all this diversity. So you can experience all of this with the mind. But are those things in the mind? How do they all coexist there. And the monk replies um, that I don't see anything at all there. So one of the points of the koan is uh, determining what the, the monk's understanding is. Is he just saying that because he thinks it's the right answer? Or does he have some, some uh, insight into um, the emptiness of the mind? One of the problems here is that if I say um, my mind's empty, there's nothing at all, that's already something. There's a thought there. Um, there's a clue uh, given in, in Wang Song's commentary um, where he calls this monk um, a board carrier. And this is, this is a, a Zen expression, see it sometimes. Does it mean a be, to be a board carrier? Well, you can think, you think of Buster Keaton um, with a long plank on his shoulder uh, balanced um, on the on the narrow edge, um, maybe it's about four or five meters long, a couple of centimeters thick, and, and about 
um, maybe 15 or 20 centimeters high enough so that when he has the board on his right shoulder he can't see anything on his right he really only sees half the world because of this board that's right there in his um, line of vision so say somebody on his right calls out to him and he turns towards that person thwack he'll hit that person with the, that front end of the board and then someone sees what's going on and shouts to him from behind warning him what he's doing and so he swivels around and the back end of the board comes forward and just thwack hits the guy who's just as dazed getting up the first time he was hit by the front of the board so a board carrying fellow um, can do quite a lot of damage only seeing one side of things and and of course here the 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 side that he has is implicit that he has some insight into is emptiness most of us we're we're also board carrying fellows but we most people tend to carry their board on the on the left side of the, of the shoulder so they see they see the world of phenomena the world of relativity and they don't see the emptiness aspect and of course that's problematic too but this this monk has suggested that he does have some insight and that's a pretty rare thing Wang Song says nowadays hardly one of the ten of ten thousand people reaches the state if they do, they point to themselves and carry a board, not knowing that by delighting in the road, one ultimately fails to reach home. So Wansan's pointing this to be uh, not the ultimate, but uh, uh, on the way towards uh, true insight. And he's, um, he's uh, a bit stuck here in emptiness. This comes out in the rest of the exchange. Yangshan says in response to his um, saying that he doesn't see anything there, doesn't see anything in his mind, he says that's all right so far as belief is concerned but it's not enough for real living. In other words he's saying oh it's okay as far as it goes uh, but it's not much use in, in the real world it's not much, much not, won't be much help um, if you're uh, facing grieving parents who've just lost a child you're not going to say to them oh everything's empty or your grief will pass and it's not going to be much help if you have to sort out a, um, a dispute between two of your fellow monks if you're living in a monastery or um, any other number of, <coughs> of um, things that we have to deal with in our everyday lives of this nature <coughs> Then the monk um, says, do you have any particular advice, master? And uh, Wang, Wang Song comments on this, there are thorns in the soft mud. Uh, which just means that he's, this is just not just a straight question. He's not just saying, can you give me advice about how I should go from 
uh, proceed from here, but that he's sort of playing, playing a philosophical game, because if he says that is, if one, uh, Yangsheng then replies that is advice, that's affirmation. If he says that isn't, that's negation, and so then he's sort of fallen into the same uh, trap that the monk fell into by saying there's nothing. But Yangshan doesn't fall for it. He 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 sees that it's 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 just a it's just kind of a game. It's not the Dharma. It's beside the point. So he says, um, it misses the mark to say there is or there is not. To affirm or negate. But then he goes on to what is more, more urgent and relevant. He says, as for your insight, you have reached only one side of the mystery. In taking a seat and wearing robes, see it for yourself later on. On, on the one hand, he's, he's, he hasn't been fooled by this monk, but he's also quite, quite um, mild in his response. He's, he seems to be saying, keep going, don't stop. Keep, keep investigating. And particularly, um, look into um, the circumstances of your life. Examine them. See if you can't integrate your austere belief or understanding of emptiness and and so that it can be something you can use in the world an integrated understanding of emptiness would be uh, implicit in that is um, an understanding that's informed by compassion that that responds to the sufferings of uh, beings. Um, Shuto uh, said, a sage has no self. Because there is no self, there is nothing that is not himself. Or um, Nisargadatta Maharaja, he's a, a contemporary Vedanta master, he's um, died now, but he said, when I look inside and see that I am nothing, that is wisdom. When I look outside and see that I am everything, that is compassion. So here Yangshan is inviting this monk to, to to enter into this second aspect of our, our training, to look outside and see that we're everything. And so this, this koan um, is a, a good one for us as we come out of Sishin. Sometimes we can fall in, into the trap of being attached to uh, the conditions of Sishin, the, the um, 
the deeper states that we can get into when we're when when practicing um, sitting for ten plus hours a day, and there can be a, a um, impulse to try and hold on to the states we've reached, and and even some sense of aversion to um, returning to our um, jobs and responsibilities and families and everything. But this is this is really diluted because it is this our very lives which um, are the locus for our continued training. Yang Shan says, in taking a seat and wearing robes, see for it for yourself later on. In in uh, one translation, um, it just here says, in in sitting and putting on clothes. The implication being, in in all our ordinary, everyday activities, sitting down, standing up, doing the dishes, driving a car unpacking a suitcase, talking to your spouse, reading emails. Look into each of these things. Pay close attention. Inside and outside. What's, look, pay attention to what's in front of us and also to our mental attitude. And we, we come out of Sishin with more ability to do this, to, to notice what is going on. And it's the, really the challenge to sustain that, not, not to sustain our, our samadhi or our concentration, but to sustain this ability to investigate the mind see clearly what is arising so we have this this opportunity to uh, attune with our uh, circumstances and refine our mind as we encounter phenomena is in the way that we uh, approach our activities to to um, approach whatever we're we're um, uh, need to do as uh, an opportunity for uh, Dharma practice Returning to the text that we've been, one of the texts that we've been dipping into throughout Sishin, the, the method of no method. There's a section when Master Sheng Yin talks about um, sort of post, post-retreat practice. 
He says, when we eat, we should just eat. When we sleep, we should just sleep. When we sit, we should just sit. And when we work, we should just work. Saying this is one thing, doing it another. So I ask you, where is your mind when doing these things? Let's consider how this applies to working. To practice silent illumination means putting body and mind to the task at hand. This also means applying the best method appropriate for the task. If you do it single-mindedly and with your best effort, you will complete the work with a very stable and relaxed mind. You should approach the task with a plan that takes into account the past and the future. But once you start the task, focus on the present. There's a place for planning and there's a place for analyzing. But so often we, these things go into sort of overdrive and, and they continue much longer and, uh, than they need to. So just to do what's necessary for the task and then to stay present. You should carry out the task with a very even and ordinary mind, without feelings of like or dislike, good or bad, or engaging in discursive thoughts, unnecessary discursive thoughts. When you complete the task, reflect on whether, the, whether changes are needed, whether the job was done well, and how you can do better in the future. There's also a place in, uh, for this kind of in introspection. Sometimes people will come to Zen and then they think it's totally anti-intellectual and um, should, the, the intellect should never be used. But this is not the case. It's, it's a tool. It's using it where in the appropriate place that is the point. We don't have to become uh, Zen zombies. This is how to practice silent illumination while working. But the principles are the same no matter what you're doing. Silent manifests when you do not generate vexations, attachments and discriminations while carrying out the activity. Illumination manifests when you clearly understand the activity, focusing on carrying it to completion. As practitioners, we should clearly understand our own abilities and limitations. We should understand our roles in society, what we are capable of and what is beyond our ability to do. Since everyone is born with certain aptitudes and limitations, knowing our own boundaries is also practice. Some people may be very skillful with their hands, while others are less dexterous. Some people are good at very detailed work, while others are more suited to manual labor. We should learn to be content with our own limitations while working to the best of our ability. This is recognizing clearly where you are and what role you should play. Not knowing this can create vexations for yourself and others. We, we play all these different roles. We, we, in a sense, we put on different masks. We have a, um, a mother mask and a sister mask, a student mask and a teacher mask. And the key is to um, move freely between these different roles knowing that the mask is a mask, but at the same time playing that role to the hilt.
Knowing where you should put yourself is silence. Very clearly knowing this while engaged in work is illumination. Consider the ox in the fields. Although powerful and dynamic, the ox does its job without trampling on the crops. It responds according to our circumstances. Being like this ox will bring you happiness and joy wherever you are, at work or with friends. If there is peace and harmony where you are, this is practicing silent illumination. So please be an ox in your lives. Be a beast of burden, that's a powerful servant. Helps to, to nourish the people. Plowing, hauling, trampling the grain. Be that one in whatever way you uh, can, whatever talents you have, putting them to use. Practice is not limited to sitting meditation. It should not happen that as soon as you get off the cushion, life becomes stressful. Be very clear about your body's presence and its sensations. When meaningless sensations arise, do not respond to them. That is silence. Always remain, maintain this clear awareness of the total body-mind. That is illumination. Be very clear about the environment without being influenced by it. That is totality. The sum of all the above is silent illumination. Now please practice silent illumination wholeheartedly. Please practice the breath wholeheartedly. Practice the koan with every single hair follicle, every bone in your body. Give yourself totally to each moment. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. <laughs>